Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about the standard of Scottish football after Aston Villa thrash Hibs. The latest on Romelu Lukaku's future after Spurs showed no interest. Southend deducted 10 points for money owed to HM Revenue and Customs. We're joined by Southend United owner Ron Martin. Plus, we preview Dubois versus Usyk, which is live on TalkSport on Saturday night. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Up in Edinburgh yeah. last night, it didn't go too well for Hibs, that is for sure. The first leg of the Europa Conference League playoff and Hibs take on uh, Aston Villa. Uh, all Britain affair, of course, but I'm afraid uh, Hibs were on the wrong end of a 5 0 scoreline. Yeah. Now, I'm going to get you're taking this in a second, Simon, because certain questions come out of this. Was it another bad advert for Scottish football or merely the absolute and stark reality of the situation when it comes to North versus South right now? Um, Post match, Hibs boss Lee Johnson tried to be as pragmatic as he could. The reality is we've probably got a, a League One in England style budget uh, against a fantastic um, multi-international standard uh, Aston Villa and listen there was clear, it was clear tonight that there was a golfing class, I, I can't deny that, you know we wanted to show up better than we did um, but like I say sometimes you've got to hold your hands up, admit there's a golfing class, golfing athleticism. Um, and, and, and try and go again you know our bread and butter has to be the league now and obviously the cup competitions that we're in um, but we get another experience down at Villa Park uh, a week today Demarcation point Interesting yeah you and I were just chatting away while, while yeah, we were sh- I'm not sure about the observation out. about the golf and athleticism I'm not sure that that's a, that's a choice isn't it to some extent Yes I mean obviously yes. the better athletes you buy the better they are but the stark reality of it is and it's an inherent unfairness if you're looking at Hibernian they've got a wage bill of 3.8 million if you look at Aston Villa they've got a wage bill of 120 million if you look at Aston Villa's transfer spend over the last two years it's been circa about 180 190 million Hibernians have been 1.5 Hibernian's turnover is 11 million, Aston Villa's turnover is 117 million, 170 million. So it takes Hibernian 16 years to earn what Aston Villa earn in one year. It takes Aston Villa three weeks to earn what Hibernian earn in a year. So the scales of the finances are evident. 
Now, of course, on top of that, what you said, well, hang on, you get cup shocks, you get people from the League One or League Two clubs giving the Czech Premier League clubs a bloody nose. Yeah, when they don't take it particularly seriously, when they put out depleted squads. So you've got this double-ended scenario for Hibernian, which is Aston Villa have taken it incredibly seriously, put out their best team. They've got a manager which is well-versed in the European leagues and knows exactly what he wants to do and wants to win this bleeding thing. And you've also got something that's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 times 150 times what they spend on transfer fees. There's no comparison. It's not a bad advertisement for Scottish football. It's just the inherent reality of the economics of the difference between the Premier League and the Scottish Premier League. Right. In other words, it's the financial facts of life and it's been demonstrated on the pitch. You've got, you've got, you've got 200, 300 million pounds worth of players, probably more, sitting in that starting lineup or amongst that squad that went up to Hibernian. And you've got a packet of gobstoppers and some string by comparison in terms of economic value that Hibernian put on the field. I don't like Lee Johnson's analysis about the athleticism that you and I were debating in the, in yeah. the, in the, in the, yeah. during the package. To it. Yeah. Um, because I think that's in part a choice. But the reality of it is, is if you've got a side that comes up there, like Villa, that are taking it deadly seriously, you're going to be in trouble. And if, you, if, if, if Villa played a League One side... And, and took it seriously in the FA Cup, which often these scenarios uh, manifest themselves with, you know, giant killing yeah. shocks happen. Yeah. It's often because there's pitches that levelled yeah. and ultimately teams that have been played with younger kids in them. Do you know what I can remember, though, and this will show you how old I am. I was at college in Edinburgh, like 1975, 76, that kind of era. And the adult, golf... Adult college. C- correct. The, 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 the financial gulf now is absolutely seismic is. in the game yeah. compared to the likes of Villa and Hibs. Because around that time when I was in Edinburgh, uh, I remember going to Hibs against Liverpool in some match don't ask me what Emlyn Hughes was playing for Liverpool that's how long ago it was Jimmy O'Rourke um, Joe Harper playing for Hibs and Hibs gave a very good account of themselves and challenged Liverpool every which way that night on the pitch now it's different the gulf is seismic as I say yeah and it, it points a finger does it not Simon at the authorities in Scotland as to why they are not generating more finance in the Scottish game but there's no appetite for it. There's no broadcast appetite for it. If you look at... Um, there should be. Well, these again, are proud clubs. Again, you can't make these no, broadcasters spend money. We have them telling us how wonderful women's football is, but they won't put any money into it. They'll pay eight million quid between the BBC and Sky for women's rights. So with that in mind, you've got to look at the reality of the Scottish Premier League. The, the, I, if, if my recollection serves me right, the entire Scottish pyramid gets £30 million a season out of broadcast rights. Now, however many clubs there is, let's say it's 40 clubs, right? One Premier League club gets that for a quarter of a season. So the entire Scottish pyramid, and the bulk of that waiting will go to the Celtic and Rangers of the world, and even that's not very much. So what chance do you really have? Once upon a time in the mid-90s, when there was a real appetite and the English uh, uh, players were finding the Scottish place, uh, 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 big clubs, a uh, place to go, and obviously Sooness was up there, yeah. and a few other people went up there, and yeah, some big yeah. names went up there, yeah. Graham Roberts went up there, Chris Woods went up there, Mark Hately was up there, wasn't there? There was a whole raft of... Um, Mark Waters was up there, and we can go on and go on oh, and go yeah. on. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, But then... Gascoigne. The mo- the, and Paul Gascoigne. But the moment that the, the, the Premier League really started its engines, forget the first couple of deals that they did from 92, where they were getting 60 million quid, and they started to move their engines past 95 and 96, and it started to get into hundreds of millions of pounds mm. on the broadcast deals, mm. and then subsequently billions. It's just left, not just the Scottish leagues, but all leagues in the dust... But the Scottish leagues have been stark because they're part of the United Kingdom. Yeah. And so you see it more glaringly. Yeah. 
one of the many things you're brilliant at is seeing a financial opportunity, Simon. What would you do to generate more cash in the Scottish game? Because whatever they're doing, whatever whatever we say this morning, they're not, we have to agree they're not doing enough but, but there's because only, it's not effective. But there's only so many levers. This is a great club. Absolutely. So but, is Hearts. So is well, Aberdeen. I mean, there's only so many levers you can pull. I mean, obviously, player development and developing young players and being able to monetize those players by selling them into the English game is one lever that you can pull. But there's the, that conveyor belt seems to have been stopped. Once upon a time, we used to see this significant uh, deluge of Scottish players coming down. In recent years, we've seen a few. We've seen Kieran Tierney. We've seen John McGinn. Yeah. Um, we've seen a few players that have come through, and I'm sure I've missed some. But and Billy Gilmore. Um, but ultimately, you don't see that many. And in, in back in the seven. 70s, 80s and probably the very beginning of the 90s you saw a more regular flow of Scottish players but if you look at the revenue streams that football clubs can actually generate there's only so many there is there is the commercial deals that they can do with their fans in terms of sponsorship revenues they can get on the front of their shirts and the revenues they can get from tickets there's the, there's the broadcast deals um, and there's not a lot else that they can do they can look into the digital marketplace but you've got an island of how many people in Scotland six million people Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something of that yeah, nature, yeah. right? So well, you're all minus me. I'm done. Minus yeah. you, yeah. Five million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand because you're chasing <laughs> the English pound. Um, but all all of that gives you a scale. Now they've perhaps they've got to find some mechanism to to lever more mm. more revenue from overseas deals. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Let's start with Alan, who I think was at the game last night, and who's a Hibs fan. Alan, good morning. I think using Hibs as an example is the wrong example because we are absolutely rank rotten right now. Um, <laughs> right. Not, uh, d- defense, defensively, we we cannot go to Fur Park in Motherwell a couple of weeks ago and and keep clean sheets. But against St Mirren two weeks ago, they played us off the park. So using Hibs as an example right now because Lee Johnston, the manager, has wasted so much money over the last couple of seasons. They've signed players all last season. I don't think the gulf is as big as everyone talks about. Well, it is, it is on paper, but the football game's not played on paper. So I you think just think some of the people honest. that have come through the door at Hibs are part of the reason well, well, that... Well, not even, not even coming through the door. The guys that have been there for years, I'm not going to mention names and dig any players out, but they know who they are, Like, and it's a manager's responsibility. We've had the same left-back for years, and he's absolutely... He, he's, he's not good enough. He's probably the worst left-back in the league. So, uh, but I, Alan, that's a bit unfair singling one out. But the, there is a gulf, but as Simon said, the financial gulf's huge, so maybe we should expect a scoreline like that last night. It is, it is, it is, it is huge. Yeah. But, but also, um, and I will say this for Aston Villa, like the gulf, Aston Villa, like I go home and away, and Aston Villa are a far better team than Celtic or Rangers. Like, you see them on the pitch, the way they're organised, their, their movement, their shape, their organisation... Far better than Celtic or Rangers. Okay, Alan, listen, we appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Many Hibs fans coming on, which is terrific. I'm loving this. Scott, good morning. I totally agree with Simon. I think me and him probably are separated at birth because every time he speaks on the show, I totally agree with everything he says. (laughs) First first and foremost, uh, there's a massive gulf between uh, the English Premier League and the Scottish Premier League. Simon's emphasised it there by saying that the budgets, there's a 15 times difference between the budget of Hibernian and the budget of Aston Villa. Uh, the problem doesn't predominantly lie with Hibs, Rangers or Celtic. Simon's mentioned it. Doncaster, Regan, the other chap that's there just now that was at Partick Thistle. 
it's the senior people at the SFA that are strangling Scottish football. It's stagnating. It'll never move forward until they, they look at the size of the Scottish Premier League. Do, do you think they're underachieving, Scott, the people at the top of the game there, that they should and could attract more investment? Of course, that, that's the role. The role there is to attract investment into the Scottish game, and they're not doing that. They're only focusing on the, the, the two or three teams that are dictating to them what they want done in the Scottish game. And I can understand that. They're the biggest people that are bringing in the biggest amount of money, but there's hundreds of other member clubs. It's a far fairer system as far as I see down in England than it is in Scotland, and that's what's killing the Scottish game just now. Good call, Scott. Thank you for that. See, Simon, the, the, the finger's been pointed at those at the top of the game, and you did mention a few names yeah. that you felt didn't exactly pull up trees in their time. Well, look, I mean, they're, they're working with a certain... Uh, easel and a certain uh, ability to be able to achieve things but I think that if you've got, when you see things like Cinch trying to do a deal with the Premier League and then Rangers because their ownership model's got a deal with a car dealership because Douglas Parr owns a car dealership, boots it out of the equation and then when Rangers and Celtic don't play ball with the attendances between two clubs, that gives me an indication that people aren't running the game properly so if they're not running the game properly then what else are they not doing properly? I know it's an easy go-to but I think that, I know they've done deals with Viaplay and streaming companies, I know that do and deal with, with broadcasters I know that they are trying to create revenue yeah. but trying to create something is not good enough you need to be in the business of outcomes sure. it's, it's gone too far the other way now Simon Mark support, supports a huge club with a massive fan base Mark's a Celtic fan good morning to you Mark Simon highlighted the the, the gulf in finances alone is, is ridiculous but was, I've got two points to make firstly on the game last night Hibs started okay for the first 10 minutes uh, caused him a wee bit of problems on the break but as soon as Villa started knocking the ball about mm. and uh, finding space in the middle of the park yeah. the Hibs players just stopped closing down if you look at that first goal there's not a, a Hibs player within 10 metres of a Villa player at any point ball's eventually played wide the fullback doesn't even bother to challenge okay. ball comes in three yeah. header from six yards so there's Second a golf on corner. the field of play what about off it? Well, off it, I think, as Simon rightly says, the, the, the people who run our game just have not got a scooby, quite frankly. I, 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 what I cannot understand is why we do not set up our own streaming platform, SPFL TV, or, or get in bed with a Netflix or something like that, and sell it globally at a reasonable price point. Because there are fans all around the world, expats, who live all over the world, would happily pay $10, 12 whatever it may be, to watch our game per month and that could generate much more income than the, the pittance that the likes of Sky give us that could then be spread amongst and then we, you know, we could then build a better a better quality product on the pitch with, with, with greater revenue Mark yeah, I would, I would go yeah. with you the, the, the league the, the old firm you know it Simon and you, you know the number of expats and yep. the former Celtic, Celtic people Rangers people living in Canada Australia the US he's right well you know as I said earlier on Viaplay are a streaming company that have done deals with Scottish football and they'll have the numbers because they've ultimately already made this decision to be able to broadcast you know, Scottish football through a streaming platform, albeit a limited amount of games. Again, these things come hand in hand with the current broadcast deals that you've got. If you've signed a broadcast deal with Sky that precludes or excludes any other streaming opportunities, then you have to look at the deal that you've done. Yes. I, I, look, the bottom line is we don't know the broadcast deal that they've done with Sky if it stops them from streaming other games. If it doesn't, then of course. But I've been talking about streaming English football for years. I've been talking about the Netflix of English football in a proven mm. model that generates five billion a year in the Premier League. 
in the Scottish leagues, I do think that you're you're a little bit of a wing of a prayer if you think you're going to generate huge amounts of revenue. Yeah. You might do if you're Celtic and you might do if you're Rangers. Yeah. But a poss- you know, anyone else is going to be in the same situation. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Things moving along. There's hardly a day goes by, Alex, that we don't mention a Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> so let's mention him. Is he going to Tottenham? I don't think so, Jim. Uh, it's been mentioned in Italy that Tottenham could be a, a potential escape route, if you like, for Lukaku out of Chelsea. We talked about him yesterday, training with the under-21s. Pochettino, I think, has made it pretty clear that even though Chelsea need goals, Lukaku isn't the solution. But I'm told Tottenham aren't in the race either. Um, they're looking to shift players on rather than maybe add to the wage bill. And he is on significant money in terms of his wages at Spurs. So at the moment, Lukaku remains in limbo. Uh, I think Chelsea are trying to urge him to rethink the interest that he's had from Saudi Arabia, but certainly wasn't very keen on making that move earlier in the summer. Isn't it strange, Simon, how a player like Lukaku, who's a big-name player at one stage, finds himself in something of a cul-de-sac at the moment? Good. What he sows. Wants to behave like that. There's a consequence of it. No one's bigger than the football clubs. And as soon as some of these players realise it, the better it will be. Romelu Lukaku opened this can of whoop-ass on himself. So he gets on with it, doesn't he? (laughs) I've got no sympathy for it. Because ultimately, there was no necessity to do what he did. There was no necessity to turn it into the, the, the the ridiculousness that he did. And he's now got himself to look at, which is a very talented footballer, sitting in the reserves at Chelsea that Chelsea don't want and nobody else seems to want at the moment in time. And why is that? It's got nothing to do with talent. Nothing to do with talent, it's everything to do with attitude. Look at those attitudes at Manchester United. Look at the stories that come out of his attitude at Man United. This isn't something that just manifested itself at Chelsea because Thomas Tuchel didn't play him where he wanted to play him. This is something that was inherent in the in the in the boys' outlook. And what's he got for it? A big bag of money and no and no game time. I, Wonderful. I mean, uh, and he's a smart kid as well. He's yeah. a really smart kid. You know, ten di- well, seven, eight different languages he speaks. He's an impressive footballer in so many ways, except when it comes to applying himself and understanding that where he fits in on the cog which is 
He's part of the will. He isn't the will. <laughs> All right. You've got you've got to think there's something. I mean, only he could articulate it like that. But you've got to think there's something in that, Alex, right? Yeah, I agree. I think Lukaku's had so many opportunities now at some top clubs. I mean, you look at his CV, we should be talking about Lukaku as he talks about himself, you know, one of the best strikers in Europe, maybe a, a Ballon d'Or contender, but I just don't feel like he's grasped the opportunity. I think the way that he messed into Milan around uh, really is coming back to haunt him now, if you believe in karma. They were willing to take him, even though he didn't exactly cover himself in glory last season. He was really poor, particularly in that Champions League final. They were willing to give him an opportunity. Then they find out that he's negotiating with Juventus, a club that he said on record, I'd never join. So I think Simon's right. I think he's brought a lot of this on himself. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Southend United, I've met a number of fans of Southend United and they always seem to me to be pretty perplexed, with good reason to an extent, because it's a proud football club, um, but these days playing its trade in the National League, off the field, doesn't have its problems to seek, that is for sure. Been docked 10 points by the National League, it comes following a High Court decision yesterday to grant a final 42-day deadline to the club to avoid being wound up. Uh, Last month, Southend were given this adjournment at their previous appearance in court to clear their debt to HMRC and find a new owner. The current owner is Ron Martin. In court on Wednesday, the judge warned Martin that the club, founded in 1906, would be wound up if the new deadline of October 4th was missed. So they're up against it. October 4th seems to be D-Day in every sense. The judge said in court, if this wasn't a football club with the attachment of its fans... I'd be winding it up today. This has got to be sorted out. Ron Martin, the owner, joins us live. Ron, good morning. Are you going to sort it out? Uh, morning, Jim. Well, we, of course you want to. Um, it was me that set the deadline for 42 days, six weeks, to allow the sale to, to go through. Um, I don't know whether it'll be sorted out by then, but we, we continue to do all we can to make sure it is. Uh, what, what's the situation? Am I right in thinking that you've got an unnamed Australian buyer and if this I'm individual sure. comes in, I'm it, not sure his name is 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 not known. Um, I thought it I thought it might be by now, but yes, he's Australian. He's also putting together a small consortium of three or four people, um, all of whom are known to either myself or Tom Lawrence, CEO. Um, and we do have a second buyer, um, similar terms, um, but certainly uh, the person from Australia um, is uh, more advanced than anybody else. So, are you in the the final days of your own ownership? I hope so, Jim. Um, I'd like to have sold it when I put it on the market in March. Um, I really wanted the sale to go through before the season started, so the new buyer could um, you know, put his mark on players and budgets and things like that. But I'm, I'm still here for some ridiculous reason. Some fans think I don't want to sell, which is utter, utter nonsense. Um, my life changed probably in COVID period. Um, and um, I made that decision many, many months ago, but didn't announce it until until March. I mean, it's a big question, and probably too it would take too long to answer it in the time we've got, Ron. But how's it come to this? Uh, we mean the um, where we are in the league. Um, the, well, the the financial uh, predicament you're in, where you're yeah, at in the league. I don't think it's so complicated, actually, Jim. I think that um, during COVID, um, we had quite debt to um, HMRC. Um, we tripped up twice on a time-to-pay agreement and therefore triggered. Um, the uh, debt was about 1.9 million. 
Um, when we tripped up and failed on the time to pay, it was about 1.46 actually. And they wouldn't reinstate it. Um, had they done that over maybe 18 months, we perhaps could have got through that, but they wouldn't. So um, at that time, I raised and put 2.2 million in. That was only on the 27th of February. So that discharged the debt, brought um, staff um, and players up to date. Um, and the additional sort of 600,000 capital um, we thought might see us through to a sale. Um, it did not. Um, and then we had um, further debts accruing to. Um, that we had to discharge um, to maintain our license. Um, that was 239,000. And then I put a, a further um, 240,000 into the club and to pay for salaries and see it through. But, you know, it's not bottomless pit. I can't keep doing that. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, but if you ask us how we got to that, I think that my choice of managers during that um, COVID period and post, um, looking back, and Simon, you'll understand this only too well. Um, I'm, I think I made errors. I think I probably took my eye off the ball. I didn't do as much due diligence on the individuals as perhaps I should. Um, and um, we failed on the pitch. Um, bringing back Phil Brown. Um, Phil was very successful with us, um, but maybe he was out of the game too long and some of his recruitment. See, Ron, some of the observations, I mean, I, I've walked in your shoes, um, so I understand I a lot of what you say, and I always understood the principles of how difficult HMRC can be because they are intransigent. They'd actually rather not get paid and have it cleared off their desk than do a commercial deal that gives people time to pay. So I do understand yeah. that. But you and I have had this conversation before and these don't seem to be huge quantums of money. If you're in a situation now where these buyers fall through, where yeah. does that leave the club? Because when I bump into South End fans, and I know football fans the same way that you do, when things aren't going right, they'll blame somebody. But the constant theme is that you've been holding out for certain transactions, there's land value in this deal for you, and that you are the reasons why this club can't be sold because of your expectation of what you can get out of a deal. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. It's just complete Atlanta nonsense. Um, we had a deal with um, a company called Camira. They were um, we agreed heads of terms with them. It's lawyers were instructed that they were straight up front said that they wanted to replicate the um, Wrexham model um, and make a documentary. They had Ray Winston um, and also The Rock, they told us, um, in, in a frame to be you know, heading it up. Um, I'm not sure Rock was ever there, but um, Ray Winston appeared to be. Um, and when he pulled out, because he was conflicted because he's got an interest in a um, football agency, the deal fell apart. Um, they didn't actually say that to us. They said they're still interested, but if there's anybody else that you've been talking to, um, we don't think we're going to get there by the adjourned court date, this was July, then you should speak to them. But it's got nothing to do um, with, with property. Um, you know, we're happy to let people stay at Roots Hall rent-free for three years, buy the club for a pound. But I think what's putting people off is, is the current debt um, and also, much more importantly, the cost of running the club going forward. Um, but it's nothing to do with property. But you're in that position now. Whatever, whatever the reasons are, and we are, when we take on the running of a football club, when, when I ran Crystal Palace towards the end, it was costing me millions a month. Uh, and ultimately, in the middle of a banking crisis, my ability yeah. to be able to resource revenue became more difficult. But in this instance, Ron, the do, quantums do, do, are very do, do different. Do I, I accept that everyone's pocketbook is different. But you're now in a situation where, in 42 days' time, you've got a judge making a ridiculous observation that if it wasn't a football club, he'd wind it up. Because I'm sure the creditors that want it wound up wouldn't be particularly pleased to hear that because a football club is a business like any other entity. But if you can't 
clear, if you can't close a deal in 42 days' time, do you perceive the club to be wound up, or are you going to be able to bridge the gap and get HMRC off your back? Um, I think the judge had empathy um, with the club. Um, I think he was making the point that this is our third adjournment. Um, um, if you look back at other clubs, they've had many more adjournments than that. But um, we have made progress during those during those times. Um, creditors have been um, their bills have been uh, reduced. We pay eighty thousand um, on Monday to um, um, HMRC. So the time that we got to court. Um, their bill started off at three twenty-five thousand, now down to one hundred and seventy. So it's becoming more manageable. But um, the club will not have the resource to discharge it by the, six weeks. I will have to find additional money if I was going to um, save the club, and I don't know whether I can do that. You know, there's not a bottomless pit. I know you found that, and I don't think it was a case of us finding you know additional resource. It's actually borrowing, isn't it? Um, because you, there's uh, that's finite within a football club. You get so much revenue, and then you can predict fairly accurately throughout the year what it's like to be within tolerance. Why, why have you chosen, Ron, not that I ever advocate this route, but why have you not chosen to go into administration, seek creditor protection, we, well, well, find a deal? Because yeah. I know that it disadvantages know. the people that may well be wanting to gain some capital out of a sale, but it would have got you the same protections. You've got 10-point penalties. You've got well, all the challenges that ultimately sorry. administration brings. Why no, wouldn't you have taken that. that route? It would have made the buying of the business probably slightly easier because everyone would have been squeezed down, specifically the revenue. Certainly, we, uh, no, the revenue won't be squeezed down under administration. They're preferential creditors. All, all staff um, and preferential creditors of HMRC will be paid in full. Um, we could do that. Um, we have a debenture. We, we, we could appoint an administrator, but we're trying to say... Well, that's my point, though, Ron. You have a debenture which protects your position. And it would ultimately protect the, the club's position too. Well, yeah, but who's, do you have a debenture? You have a debenture on the money that you've put in a football club, so you're protecting we, your we, economic we position. No, we won't get anything back. Um, I can so then why, you, why are you we, bringing a debenture equation? Just to be able to crowd down creditors? No, because I need a debenture to be able to appoint an administrator. That's the reason for it. I, I, I think, Ron, if we can wind, if, 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 sorry to use the phrase, if we can wind up this conversation, what would your message be to Southend United fans who are listening? Because they are perplexed and they have been for a while. Well, look, uh, football fans um, do get perplexed. They, they bring things into the equation have no relevance. I was, it was said yesterday to me um, by a person who I, I, I actually really trust. He emails me quite regularly and I've always been... Um, up front and hundred honest with him, and I said to him that you're, you're, you're suggesting that we've just spent a million pound on buying a piece of land. We haven't. I mean, that was July 22. It was a year ago. It's got nothing to do with anything raising funds for the club now. We've raised. I've spent 2.7 million since the 27th of February in trying to save the club. My message is that I do want to save the club. I do want to sell it. Um, I've got other things to do in my life, and not least for my family. I want to move on. Um, I'm not just an owner of the football club. I'm an effing fan as well. And I've been supporting this club home and away for 24 years, every single weekend. And that's Ireland. You and I have met, haven't we, on the, on some of those trips. Um, so, I'm sorry, I've got someone else trying to get through to me. I'll leave that. Uh, but the, um, <laughs> understood, Ron. I, 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 understood. I, I, but I, I, so much hinges, Ron, in this deal that you're going to do with the Australian if you can get it done. Or, or 
the other person that's there as well, but um, certainly an Australian who we get on really well with, we want to go through. Um, and um, he was delighted we got through the court hearing. There's one other thing that we don't believe that the National League has the ability to um, uh, deduct 10 points. We think it's contrary to the rules. We've got to appeal that. Um, and um, there's nothing in the rule books um, to sanction 10-point deduction. Okay. Not, not paying HMRC does um, would uh, embargo us, we accept that, but making payment in a condition of a licence is ultra-virus, and we're going to, we're going to um, appeal it now. Today. Okay, but Ron, just to put the record straight, uh, and I think I've got it right, having done it for so long, you're not prepared to fund the club any longer? I didn't say that, Jim. I've been funding it. If I have it, I'll fund it. If I haven't got it, I can't do it. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Great fight coming up as well this weekend. It's uh, Alexander Yusik. Is he still as brilliant as we knew him to be? Up against Daniel Dubois. What an opportunity for Daniel Dubois. So all of you watching on YouTube and Facebook right now, uh, you'll be able to tune in and see Spencer Oliver over in Rucklaw in Poland alongside Gareth A. Davis, both of whom are inside the Tarsinski Arena. The scene today for the press conference, Dubois Yusik. That is on the way and the boys are ready and waiting. Spencer, Gareth, good afternoon to you. How are we, Jim, Simon? How are we all doing? Afternoon. Very good, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, Spencer, I reckon, am I right, the workouts were yesterday. Now, no doubt if they were, you were there. What did you witness? Yeah, listen, I think that um, I went in to see Daniel Dubois just before he start, had his workout. He's supremely confident. He looks in great shape as well. When he come out, I think tactically, Dubois is going to be working the body in this fight. You know, Don Charles, his trainer he's been working with for the last three months now, has got him working the body, punching to the chest because of the elusiveness of Alexander Usyk. Usyk looked great in the ring as well, by the way. When he got in there, I mean, he looks like he's fully filled out as a heavyweight now, but he's still very light on his feet, looked very relaxed. And it's Independence Day um, in the Ukraine today. And, you know, there's a lot of Ukrainians in this area, 250,000 of them, actually. Loads of them turned out yesterday to see Alexander Usyk. It's going to be an emotional day in here on Saturday, but he's doing it for his people. And um, he's had a great turnout. But both guys looked exceptional in the ring. Almost ominously, Gareth, as Spencer was saying, Usyk looks terrific. He does. Um, look, we know he's elusive. We know that he's a great ring general. What we saw from Daniel Dubois, which Spencer was just talking about there, was up close, working the body of Don Charles, his trainer, going really deep into kind of close-range action. That's going to be the key. Mentally is going to be the key, whether he can hold up against what will be probably 45,000, a record audience here. It's 42,700-odd is the record audience here, uh, spectators here. He's going to have to keep his mental balance. But what he's also going to have to do, Jim, Simon, is close the range on, on, on Yusik and do it early. That's going to be the difficulty for him. Those dancing feet of the great Cossack fighter. That's going to be the key in this. How he closes the distance because he's going to have to make it a six-round fight and go early against Yusik. Everybody agrees that's his best opportunity because it, we do not see him outboxing Yusik over 12 rounds. Yeah, and interestingly, uh, Gareth, we had this conversation yesterday with Philip Hergovic and spoke to him because I was we, he came on show, spoke very well. I sort of said to him I was underwhelmed by your performances against Zhili Zhang and against Dempsey McKean. Then we moved on to discussing what he felt would happen with Usyk and what he felt of Daniel Dubois. And he said, too slow. 
too slow. Yeah, well, listen, when we watched them both, Simon, um, in the open workouts, Dubois was the first up. He looked great. And like you say, you know, he's working that body really well, punching the chest and whatnot. And you thought, you know what? This kid's got a real shot here. Then Alexander Rusik comes in and you see the difference. You see the difference in, you know, the movement, the way that he glides around the ring, the, 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 um, you know, the way that he throws his punches, the speed of hand and speed of foot was incredible. And I think that is the difference. Speed could be the key here in this fight. But, Spencer, Dubois does have the power to damage. That's why he's got an opportunity. That's why it could end up as one of the great upsets to rank with Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson or or Andy Ruiz beating Anthony Mm. Joshua, the two knockouts of Lennox Lewis way back when. There is an opportunity because he's got the danger and the power in his hands. Listen, what he needs to do, Alexander Usyk, we've just been talking about, is he he needs to close... um, Sorry, Daniel Dubois, he needs to close the gap on Alexander Usyk and, and that, that, that is key here like you know he needs to move his feet before he throws his hands if he tries to close, close the gap by throwing punches he's going to come unstuck because if Usyk gets into any sort of rhythm it's going to be hard for him what have we seen from Daniel in the last four fights since his loss to Joe Joyce that give us give us any cause or pause to think that going against someone like Usyk that we know makes the angles and has the footwork, that he's going to be able to close that gap. Have we seen anything? I mean, against Lorena, he was iffy. And in previous fights, not... Yeah, well, it's, it's difficult, Simon, because he's never really boxed anywhere near this sort of calibre of fighter. And that's the thing, you know, we know what he... He'll know what he's got to do. Don Charles, his trainer, will know what he's doing. They've been training out in Spain, up in altitude. He's going to be in incredible shape. But that closing the gap thing is not an easy thing to do with a guy that's so slick like Alexander Usyk. So what have we seen? You can't go by the Kevin Lorena fight because, you know, we saw there, he, he said that he injured his knee in the first round. He went down a couple of times. He got the stoppage in the end, you know, which is good. And basically what he's got to do is he's got to throw everything and the kitchen sink yeah. early. early early doors. He's got to go in there and he's got to let his hands go, Simon. And I think, you know, I think Dubois, I think he can do that, Dubois. He's only young and I think he'll know what he's got to do tactically. He's got to be prepared to get knocked out to knock him out. Simon, it comes down to self-belief. Yeah. Whether he really believes this is his opportunity to win those three world title belts, the IBF, WBA and WBO, whether he truly believes this is his time or not, he's got to look at this as a major opportunity, as a win-win. It's so much about his mental strength because he's such a quiet, bashful young man but a giant physical. It's it's key that Don Charles keeps him calm. It's going to be a long ring walk here with Usyk lapping it up, a long national anthem, all of those things. He's going to be in, waiting in the ring probably 15 minutes. Yep. Don, listen, Don Charles has been working on that psychological stuff with Daniel Dubois. Actually, in the build-up to this fight, we've seen him speaking a little bit more. He's coming out of his cell more. He's starting to believe in himself, you know, and I think that's what it is. You know, I think that you was right there in what you were saying, Gareth, that, you know, it's all about self-belief and he's got to believe in himself himself going into this contest if he doesn't he's going to find it very hard but it's going to be such a hostile crowd here you can see in the background this stadium really is a magnificent stadium 45,000 people here you know rooting for Alexander Usyk it's going to be difficult and the big million dollar question is can Daniel deal with that download stand well back listen outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23.